0: A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Before we get into the questions this week, I want to make a really quick announcement, and that is if you send us an email and you don't hear back relatively quickly, like within 24 hours, especially if you're a member, please check your junk or spam folders because the emails are coming from a business or because I'm a small business, not a big reputable one, or I don't know, for whatever reason, They use, however they filter emails, emails from your village seem to frequently go into people's spam or junk folders. So if you're a member who sends a message through the Ask Erin form or just sends an email or a question through the chat box on the site or by any other means and you don't see a response within 24 hours, please, please check those folders. Um, I often get people emailing me back again thinking I'm not responding and I always feel so bad because I've answered and they just haven't seen it yet. Because myself and my assistant, Amy, are really pretty good about staying on top of the emails and getting back to people, usually actually within hours, like within a couple hours, but we definitely try to give some type of response within 24 hours, even if I'm really busy. She'll usually respond and just say, we got your email, Aaron's busy. She'll get back to you because I really like to get back to people as soon as possible so they know that I've received their information. That's really important to me to have really good customer service with that. We have been known to let them fall through. That has happened before also. So also please write us back and be like, I emailed you, I haven't heard from you. But check your spam folders. So that's my public service announcement for this week. If you're sending an email question as a non-member to the podcast at yourvillageonline.com, that can take Amy several days to reply to those and get them on the schedule to let you know where you are on the schedule. But for member questions especially and inquiries, we try to get back to you within a couple hours. So I just wanted to get that information out there. So today, I'm actually just covering one question because it has a lot more detail than most of the questions, and this is about the oh-so-common issue of bedtime struggles and middle of the night, both actually. So Erin wrote in and she asked, she said, my son is almost four. He has struggled with sleep basically since he was born. Currently, we start our bedtime routine around 7 o'clock. He's in bed by 7.30. We have sleep rules about staying in bed and being quiet, but he never follows them, and it takes him at least 30 minutes, often more, to finally fall asleep. During those 30 plus minutes, he gets up repeatedly, asks to go to the potty, for water, etc. We have a gate in front of his door to keep him contained, and when he gets up, I silently walk him back to bed and tuck him in. But he often gets up immediately after I close the door. If he asks for something like a ball or toy and I don't bring it to him, he has a meltdown and cries for many minutes. Normally, to get him to stop getting up, I have to break my silence and say mommy's not coming back. And then he most often will stay in bed. If not, my husband will take over and he usually stops after a few minutes. On top of that, he wakes up every night, sometimes twice, to use the potty, and we start the routine again. After the potty, if I don't rock him, he will cry. If I do rock him and put him to bed, he gets back up at least two to three more times over the next 10 minutes, and I have to re-tuck him in. Often, I end up getting frustrated because it's the middle of the night and I'm exhausted. Finally, he's an early waker. He's up by 6 a.m. most days, sometimes earlier. He comes to my room, and I ask him to go back to bed or play quietly until I get up and shower, which is usually about 6.15. He's a very active boy and mostly well-behaved, but he does show signs of tiredness towards the end of the day. He hasn't had a nap in at least four to five months, and when I suggest rest time during the day, he resists. I'm concerned with a few things. First, his trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. Second, that he isn't getting enough sleep. And third, that I'm not using proper tactics to get him to stay in bed and avoid the crying overnight. Please help, Aaron. And so Erin is a member, so I emailed her back and I asked a few more clarifying questions along with some suggestions to get her started. So Erin mentioned that her son has always struggled with sleep and I wanted to know more about this because it helps me understand the bigger picture. If a child used to fall asleep easily on their own or had a period of time where they were falling asleep easier on their own, but then stopped for some reason. Now teething, an illness, or a developmental spurt can often be the cause that gets parents into some bad habits and then they don't, uh, and then they may not get back on track. But if the child's never been able to fall asleep on their own, it just helps me understand more so that I can give better feedback. So I asked Erin to clarify this and give me some more information. So I asked her if she could tell me more about this, the history, what she did to try to work on it when he was younger. What were his sleep associations in the past? Was it rocking, feeding him to sleep with a breast or a bottle um, in his room, white noise back rubs? What was it? So whatever she thought he was using to rely on, to relax him enough to fall asleep. And then what I asked her what she thought they are now. Then I wanted to share with her the expectations for sleep at age four. So at age four, a child should be sleeping 11 to 12 hours in any 24-hour period. So Aaron's son is clearly falling short of that because he's falling asleep around 7, I think she said 7, so 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock. So that's 10 hours of sleep. And then there's also the middle of the night wake up. So he's falling pretty short of that. Now, it's not uncommon for kids to drop their naps by 4, But then I would expect to see him sleeping from 7.30 to 6.30 at minimum without any middle-of-the-night wake-ups. With those, I would expect him to be sleeping longer. So then I asked her for more about the the middle-of-the-night potty trips. When he wakes up to go potty, does he really need to go or is this just a ploy to be able to get attention? Is he an underwear overnight or a pull-up or a diaper of some sort? Does he get through the night dry? And I ask all this because he's on the younger side for this, but it's not out of the realm of a normal range. So it gives me some more insight as to what might be going on in the middle of the night. So I gave her some feedback just to start out, given the information that I already had. I let her know it's okay for him to take 30 minutes to fall asleep. Now, this is a little bit on the longer side, but not out of the range of normal. Most kids will take 15 to 20 minutes to fall asleep on a good day. It's fine so long as he's staying in his room and learning to put himself to sleep. The problem comes up when he's constantly getting up and engaging in attention-seeking behavior because it prolongs him from staying in his room to relax long enough in order to get sleepy and fall asleep. So it sounds like he really should be ready to fall asleep at that point since he's not getting anywhere close to 11 to 12 hours. Now, when a child gets out of bed consistently at bedtimes, they're getting some sort of payoff for it. It's usually in the form of attention. Sometimes it'll be whatever they're asking for, an added snack, watching TV, something like that, if the parent's giving into that, another book. So anything that rewards the behavior is just going to perpetuate it. Otherwise, the child will stop doing it. If there's no payoff, the child will stop. So Even if it's a power struggle that gets mom or dad to lose their cool, that's a payoff. They get the upper hand and some control in the situation. So if you're having a potential struggle like this one, you'll wanna ask yourself, how or what kind of payoff is my child getting? You may think I'm getting angry and I'm losing my cool. I thought that would be enough to make them wanna stay in bed. But no, that's a payoff. Negative attention is often better than no attention. Again, especially if they get mom or dad to lose their cool. That's a lot of power. So that's a dynamic you definitely wanna shift. You must be the bedtime ninja. Nothing ruffling your feathers or at least not having it show on the outside. Now I think this might be hardest in households with a parent who is lower in persistence and a child who is high in persistence. Now this comes from the temperament class. It's one of the traits of temperament So if you want to know more about how to work with kids that are high in persistence, or you want to see where you fall on the temperament spectrum in any of the nine traits or all of the nine traits, as opposed to where your children are falling, so you can understand those differences, that's a great class. And that's in the health and development section on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Now, luckily for me, I'm very high in persistence, and it's pretty darn hard to outlast or outstubborn me. I consider it one of my better traits, especially when it comes to parenting. So my mantra in my head at bedtimes was always, you will not outlast me. I never said it out loud. It was in my head. I was resolute. I was quiet, deliberate, with full intention of outlasting this toddler through a bedtime struggle. I would walk the offending toddler back to bed, and all I would say is, it's bedtime. You need to stay in your room. So then I gave Erin some additional tips, and this was before I got any information back from her. So in the email, I gave her some other information. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. on setting some additional boundaries around bedtime. So one was have a talk ahead of time about bedtime is bedtime. Once I tuck you in, I will not get you anything else. No balls, no toys, no water, no back rub. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means it's bedtime and you need to learn to stay in your room and fall asleep on your own. Number two, you wanna have your toddler make a last potty trip before tuck-in. If he needs one after that, he's on his own, meaning he can be responsible for getting there, going, getting his bottoms back on, bottoms, meaning underwear and uh, any bottoms he's wearing for pajamas, and back into bed. This way it's not a ploy for attention. You spell this out ahead of time. If he sits in his room and yells he has to go, it's a call for attention, trying to see which plea for help will get the attention and quote-unquote win. So if you set the precedent that he's welcome to get up and go on his own and no need for you to respond, you can just ignore it. Then number three, when he does get up, not talking about potty training, outside of that, if he gets up and asks for something, you want to walk him back and ignore him. It's fine if he gets out of bed, but not if he leaves this room. Is he okay with the door closed? This is a question I asked Erin. Could that be an issue? Now, four-year-olds are prone to nighttime fears, so that's why I asked her. If he does have any kind of nighttime fears or those are starting to come on because that's not uncommon at this age, it's okay to leave the door open. I know it feels like it's just an extra invitation to come out of the room, but if he gets used to falling asleep, he understands the boundaries. It also may make him feel safer or more comfortable falling asleep with the door open. But if he's fine with the door closed, that's fine too. If he leaves his room, you want to keep putting him back, not looking at him, not saying a word outside of one sentence, if you want to say anything at all. It is a struggle, but without any payoff or attention to it, it should go away quickly. You see a really significant improvement after three to five nights and almost non-existent within a week or two. You can also tag team. You do one, your husband does one. You do one, your husband does one. This is in the case of Aaron in a two-parent household. This makes it less stressful. It cuts the labor in half and it's two against one. Number four, if he has a meltdown, let it go. It's a call for attention again. Once he learns it won't get the desired result, no reaction is much more powerful than a negative one. This will stop quickly. Again, if there's no payoff, they'll stop doing it. If there are things going on during the day where he needs more attention, then you can work on that. So it alleviates the need for the attention at bedtime. But it's not uncommon for kids to get plenty of attention during the day and still seek it out at bedtime. So they just want to get that upper hand. They're just looking to see how far they can push it. So you will know if you're giving enough attention to your child already during the day. And this is just a ploy to try to get an upper hand at bedtime. You want to keep in mind that changing the way you handle these types of situations, whether it's bedtimes or other situations of discipline, it can increase the behavior at first. And I talk about this in the intro to discipline class, why that is and how that works. The kids are thinking, darn, this used to work to get me what I wanted. What's going on? So I'm going to try harder because I think they just didn't hear me. I got to try to pull out all the stops here. It can get worse before it gets better. It's very short-lived. It's a day or two. It's what we call the extinction burst. So you can look at the class on intro to discipline to learn more about that if you're curious what it's about, why it works that way, and how to outlast that, make that a thing of the past. And it's also just a really good class in general because it covers rewards for attention-seeking behavior and what happens with that. Okay, so then Erin gave more details based on the questions that I asked her. So she said, in the middle of the night, now when he wakes up, he definitely pees a lot. He probably could hold it till the morning, But it's around 2.30 to 3 that he normally wakes. He is in underwear overnight, thanks to you. He's fully potty trained on the big potty and has been for a few months. But he hasn't worn a diaper overnight in at least six months. So I just want to say, now this is amazing. And I would say it's thanks to Erin and being patient in following the steps in the potty training process and tuning into her son's readiness. So this is a really nice job on that and amazing. He's already overnight potty trained. And then Erin gave some more details. She said, Part of the issue is that when he has a meltdown, he screams bloody murder, like you can hear him outside at our neighbors. My husband gets embarrassed by that, so he doesn't like to let him have the meltdown, and he'll end up going in to try to calm him down. He can also start to hyperventilate when he has meltdowns, like breath- like breathless crying, and then has a really hard time settling himself. When he starts to cry, he always says, Mommy, help me stop crying. What I used to do when he was little was three steps, deep breaths, hug, then silly face. So now, anytime he starts to cry, he wants me to do that, which breaks my silence mantra. I read another book called Healthy Sleep, Happy Babies or something like that, and it mentioned putting sleep rules on the wall, then rewarding if they follow with candy or something in the morning, and consequences if they don't, like taking away a special toy for the day. We've been doing that for a couple weeks, and he just doesn't seem to care if things get taken away. I don't think the closed door is an issue. He's never been scared or anything at night. I'll be honest and say that I sometimes lose my temper after trying to keep cool, so I'm not consistent with my behavior. And based on your class and what I've read, that's probably a big part of it. I guess I wonder if the way I'm doing it, basically the mantra method, is most effective. I took part of the class online and was considering the other two methods, potentially the check-in, Method. He seems to do well with other things when I set timers like playing outside and having to come in or playing in the tubby. So, should I change my approach? Thanks for all you do, Erin. So, then I gave Erin some more steps to follow to fix her bedtime and nighttime struggles. I let her know that for right now, she really needs to focus on the bedtimes and getting those to a place where he can get to sleep on his own. When you have a nighttime struggle, unless it's an infant, if you've had these ongoing habits for a while, it's easier to focus on bedtime first because the sleep pressure is stronger at bedtime. You wanna work on getting that in place, the middle, and then they get used to those boundaries, so it makes the middle of the night, once you're ready to fix that and make that work differently, a lot easier. So I suggested to Erin that she really works on the bedtime first, and I said she has a couple of options. She can continue with the mantra method, and this means being very resolute in the boundaries. No giving in because he's melting down and the neighbors can hear. That she would, she and her husband would have to be okay with that. Now, of course, also totally committed and focused on staying calm. Now, what helps with that is reminding yourself that this is a short-term thing. It's going to last three to five nights And then it's going to be a lot better. And in most cases, you'll see that it's a lot better after three nights. I just had a mom a couple of weeks ago who sent me an email saying her son was four and a half and they would waited so long to try to fix this and they got it greatly reduced after three nights. She was amazed and wished she had done it earlier. So just know that three nights you will see a huge improvement in most cases. I say three to five because with some kids it may take a little bit longer. Her other option is going to the check-in method, which sounds like it may work for her. She would put him to bed and say, if you stay in bed, I'll come check on you in five minutes. If you go this route, I would have a conference ahead of time about how it's really important that he works on falling asleep on his own in his own room and that you are going to try something new and you need his help with it, that you and his dad will be tucking him in and he needs to stay in bed and then when he does, you'll come in and check on him, rub his back or whatever. Basically, check on him, stay a short while, and then leave. That you will continue to check on him every few minutes, but he must stay in bed quietly. If he can't, then you'll have to go back to him being in his room alone until he falls asleep. Now, if you think five minutes is too long and maybe too long for him to wait, it could tempt him too much to call out, you could start with three minutes. The other thing is that you have to be ready for, though, is what happens if he gets up to come get you? Are you gonna be able to walk him back to his bed and then not do the check-in for another five minutes? Is that gonna turn into like a little struggle there between him getting up before the check-in happens? And that's where that can get a little bit muddy for some parents is then they're like, oh crap, now he just broke it. Now I have to follow through and not go in and check on him, but then he's gonna keep getting him up, then you're back to the mantra method. So you have to try to figure out if that if that's gonna work for you and if you're gonna be able to stick with that boundary. When it comes to Aaron's son, his body clock for going to the bathroom is pretty rhythmic, which is nice. And when it comes to the morning, he's actually waking up to go right at that morning time. So that makes sense. And he's not sleepy enough to fall back to sleep. Now, once the nighttime routine gets better and he can put himself to sleep, he'll very likely get better at this in the middle of the night and the early mornings if he's still tired. It's a skill that he still needs to learn. He's struggling with that one. I also think once he has the skill of falling asleep on his own, he will do so much more easily. He'll start stretching out his sleep or falling back to sleep more easily and will get more hours of sleep overall. As far as the book, I said I don't recommend following the advice. I'm really not a fan of the reward type systems and the research supports how ineffective they are, especially for long term change. They sometimes work in the short term for things like taking medicine a child really needs to take to get better or something like that. Then some reward systems can be put in place if they won't take their medicine and that's something that has to be done, right? You can't not take your medicine in most cases. But in other cases, especially for long-term changes in behavior, it really does more harm than good. And actually, I go into that also in the Intro to Discipline class about rewards and punishments and why they're so ineffective for the long term. Also, the overnight is too long for the reward or consequence to really stick. So that's another problem with that. Even if that did work, it's too long, especially for a four-year-old. And also the reward for sleep or consequence for not sleeping doesn't really match the behavior, you know, candy for falling asleep or a consequence for not falling asleep. I'm not sure what would even work trying to match a consequence for that. You can't force someone to fall asleep. They really have to try to figure it out on their own. And it's really about a skill, like right? Learning to relax the body and fall asleep on their own. So it's a skill they have to learn or some kids have to learn. A lot of kids will get it naturally. Some kids will not. That was my oldest. He had to learn. My other two, it came naturally to them. Also with rewards, it builds external motivation. This means the rewards have to get bigger and bigger to have an impact. That is if they work at all. And in this case, because it's so long from bedtime to morning, I can see why it was ineffective even in the short term. So, this question and answer it's gone a lot longer than they usually do. So, um, so we're just going to stop with that one question this week. Uh, also, luckily, I haven't had any additional parenting challenges this week, So, and I'm still working on the education issue that we've been having. We did go on a tour of the new school. I can't remember what I shared about that, but it's set up really differently than a traditional public school including their ability to work within their current level in each area of instruction, which is really great news for my fifth grader. He's really ready to move ahead in math, has been for a long time, as well as social studies, but his writing is still very much at a fifth grade level, so he needs to stay in fifth grade for that to get that a little bit stronger. They have project-based learning, they have elective two days a week, including Spanish, yoga, and there's a couple others, I don't remember what they were, So as we were touring, my oldest son's face was very stoic, and he didn't have any questions to ask. So I was thinking, oh, he's not going to want to move here. He is not enjoying this at all. Whereas my youngest son was asking all kinds of questions. So when we got done with the tour, I asked them if they liked anything better than their current school or what they thought of it. And my oldest son said everything. And I asked him, can you give me some specifics on that? And he said, it just feels freer, which was really interesting that he picked that up. I thought that was a great description. They do give a lot of respect and responsibility to the students for their own learning, to leverage their strengths, including interpersonal skills and creativity. Unfortunately, most of the grades are full right now, so they're trying to figure out how they can add another classroom or make room for my three kids, particularly the third graders. They do a shadow program where the kids can shadow another learner for the day. They call the kids learners and they call the teachers facilitators. So they're all going to do that. One day next week, we have that set up. So we'll see what happens from here. And I look forward to sharing more of my thoughts on this whole process of actually doing this research and investigating other options for my kids and then how things are going for all three of them as we get down this path a little further. Now, whatever they decide, and of course, if one or more decides to move and they have room for them. So that will be more telling about what part of this journey I have to share and how it's going. But this is a really exciting time for us. So to check out any of the 50 plus classes, including toddler sleep, infant sleep, temperament, potty training, or to become a member and have access to me to get your own parenting questions answered right away, you can go to yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com.